sound negative here, but absolutely, Jay. <laughs> I've known you for a while. We are going to avoid the negativity. Kind focus on the slightly. positivity. Well, we are up in the power rankings, so that's something to be positive about. We are getting closer to Blaze Matweedy's debut. We have a quote-unquote formal offer out for a third designated player. So let's just try and look towards the future. Forget about maybe having our momentum taken away from us like a little kid in a candy shop crying that someone stole his rock candy. Devastated. I can't help but think that if we were to have played Atlanta United last week, we would be rolling on a winning streak right now, Jay. We probably would. Um, I That kind of that postponement definitely uh, took away a bit from our momentum. But if there is a reason for any games to be postponed, we definitely understand the gesture and we appreciate it and we support the move of MLS and Inter-Miami. Yeah, it was a difficult decision. Um, it was really sudden, too. I mean, the NBA hit really fast with the playoffs happening, and I think, was it the or- – Orlando, Orlando was playing Nashville, Nashville yeah. and they see the, the game kicked off and we were kind of uncertain of what's going on. Well, the, the I guess good news of the situation is uh, Orlando and Nashville caught a lot of flack for actually playing their game. Yeah, they, they absolutely did. And obviously we had postponed that. So big shout out to Inter-Miami, big shout out to MLS and big shout out to all of the sports around the country. That was a um a memory right there that's one for the history books that is something that we will read about for years and years to come yeah and honestly man it's not the first time the momentum has been stolen from inter miami this season it's, it's been not. very stop and go and yeah i think i think we're really all used to it. i mean we're literally what oh god six months almost six months from from you know the the initial uh first season kickoff game against lafc so this whole season just kind of been um really strange from the get-go you know, shout out to the fans, the organization, the community for just kind of bobbing and weaving as as you go. But, uh, you know, let's get right into it, man. Welcome, everyone, to the Near Miami podcast. I am Jake Kington alongside, per usual, Mr. Alex Papa George. And if you don't, follow us on social media. It's so easy. It's at Inner Miami podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and now Twitter. We're tweeting. We're twatting. Twatting, tweeting. Twitting, twat. Tweety, tweety. Twoting? We'll get the hang of it. It's all right. If you can't stand us, don't follow us. But if you want more <laughs> of us, we are opening up Twitter the morning that this podcast is dropping, which is Tuesday, September 1st. Sir, we are entering September. What a year. That's about the year mark from when we started this. Yeah. So September 16th was the first episode. There we go. What a journey, man. I'm, I, you know, got to be honest. Was expecting more wins, but hey, uh, hopefully more in the future. At least we got some soccer to watch down here. Uh, shout out everyone uh, who's been along with us for the ride. We really do appreciate it. If you, you know, if you're one of our older listeners, maybe aren't up on the ones and twos of the social media, you prefer an old fashioned email. Shout out Ken. Shout out Ken. Shout, hey, Ken sends us emails often. We, we love uh, getting them and responding to them. But uh, Jay and Alex had Inner Miami podcast. Dot com. I don't know why you wrote the wrong email on here yet again. We've been doing this for a year. We also have a website. It's called intermiamipodcast.com. You can always go check out pictures of Alex. Just Alex. I don't know. He keeps uploading pictures of himself on there. I think it's just a gallery of me by now, to it, be honest it with It really you. is. just. A, a, he's wearing his white pants and his white shirts. It and might be better than my personal Instagram. So got, go ahead and check it out. Schemes. It probably has more followers. But 
if you don't and if you haven't, go ahead, tap your friend on the shoulder. We're all watching these games with a small group of friends, but be sure to wear your mask. We know social distance. But if your friends are not aware of the Inner Miami podcast, go ahead and tell them, check out the Inner Miami podcast. And if you feel so inclined to, like so many of you have, Jay and myself appreciate it. Five stars on Apple Podcast is much, much, much appreciated. You guys rock. And if you haven't done so already, go ahead and switch back to a few episodes. We do get quite a few new listeners across the entire world, actually, Jay. We're international, baby. But we do get quite a few uh, international listeners. So if you haven't listened to our previous episodes with Luis Robles, uh, Jerome Kisavetter, Luis Argudo, Will Trapp, Ben Sweat, Dylan Nilas, go ahead and check them out as well as our four-part mini-series on the supporters groups. Definitely check those out. We had an absolute blast recording those for you. Uh, some of our favorite moments here. So please, please do check those out. They are quite awesome. Get to know the players a little bit more on a personal level. Uh, but let's kind of just run right through it. Um, yeah, again, so Atlanta, uh, Inter Miami was canceled. And they kind of drug it out a little bit, man, because it was, what, eight um, – I think the game was supposed to kick off at 8, and at 8.30 they'd canceled it. So we were kind of exchanging text messages like, we don't think it's going to go off. But then uh, all the Atlanta players come out, all the Inter-Miami players come out, all the the um, referee personnel came out. And uh, it was just for a group photo op, man. And we were, I was like, wait a minute, we're going to play. And quickly shut down about a minute later. Yeah, very confused, as I'm sure everyone was. And... You know, that was a heck of a moment we had talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast. And, you know, what was also pretty cool is is that Inter-Miami recently that was going to get released in the Atlanta United game, but actually was uh, debuted in the Nashville game was the app uh, for the first time, I believe, in any sport in any franchise had a live stream of the game playing from their mobile app. Yeah, from their uh, proprietary app. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the first one. You know, you can always go to ESPN, Fox, CBS, whatever. You can watch games that they provide. But this was the first team that took it in-house. Yeah. Took it upon themselves. Gives it to the fans for free. Cable bills get really high nowadays. ESPN is a paid subscription. ESPN Plus, rather. So for a team to do it, it's a, it's a free app to download. No matter where you are in the world, you can watch the game on their app. I think it's kind of revolutionary, man. It's absolutely revolutionary. So big shout out to the communication team and Gene. That is a fantastic job on their part. I'm sure everybody listening to the app, or I'm sorry, listening to the show has the app. If you don't go, if you don't have it already, go ahead to the app store, Google Play, whatever. Go ahead and download that baby, and you'll be set up for all the games. I know uh, we get quite a few questions around game time on, you know, where is the game being played? When's it televised? And it's it's hard to tell you when we're all across the world so yeah. as best as we can tell you download the app yeah if you're local it's going to be cbs4 or channel 33 my 33 or whatever they call it if it's not on you know uh fox sports they they tell you basically every game they, they shoot out those screenshots of the next six games coming up they have all the breakdown there but still we do get it so if you have the app you know you're always going to be able to watch it um and you know i've heard some people being sneaky with a little bit of vpn a little bit of hide my ip address being able to stream it on espn plus even when they're within 100 miles so shout out to my pirates on the high seven seas of the interwebs. <laughs> oh boy. But if you are not local and you haven't had the chance to drive over to the stadium, 
there's a pretty sweet video if you go to Inter Miami's website and check out. There's a cool drone that flies over the entire campus. You're able to see uh, the stadium itself, the practice facilities, the multiple soccer pitches right around the location. You can kind of get a good feel of what the stadium looks like from the outside, which was pretty cool to see, honestly. It is an absolutely gorgeous facility. I know today both you and I had to get back into the office at the regular start time of 8 a.m., uh, but prior, I've been going to the office, you know, two, three times a week and always stop and get a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. And then I just keep going about a quarter mile and, and bank around because we luckily live and work close to the stadium. Uh, but I always drive through the stadium in the morning. It makes me smile before I go into work. Um, please check it out, man. It is it is something truly special. And they put it up in record timing. Uh, wow. An absolute just typical It'd be probably like amazing anywhere else in the world, but it's kind of just your typical everyday down here in South Florida, especially Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, because they will throw up complete sky rises in about three months. It's, it's nuts. Big shout out. Record time across South Florida to all the construction workers. That's that's huge. And, you know, to move forward a little bit, Jay, I know that there's a big question. What's going on in my Tweety world? Uh, my Tweety still way, waiting on his P1 visa. You know, I'm honestly kind of curious about this, like, quarantine protocol because is this something that's going to be happening once he's in the U.S. Or, or is he taking part in it now? I think the expectations were him to be here for potentially the next game or the uh, fourth game, which would be September 6th. So, Blaze, hey, buddy. Uh, I don't know if you watched the game, but we would really love to see you out there. I hope he didn't watch the game. Uh, you know what? Yeah, no second guessing your your decisions. I guess we anyway. We're we're all excited. We are getting questions every single game. Is Blaze going to play? What's the deal? So we're all just waiting for him to get here. But once he does, we'll be all right. Again, we only need to get up to the tenth spot to get into the playoffs. So as long as he gets here in somewhat of decent timing, we'll be all right. And guess what? To get to the tenth spot. We are above five teams in the MLSJ in the new power rankings. We are above. Yeah. So even though we lost, we jumped up uh, Go figure. from what, 25th to 21st. Um, but below us is Vancouver Whitecaps, Colorado Rapids, Houston Dynamo, FC Dallas, Chicago Fire. Um, kind of surprised, honestly, it's like Colorado do that poorly. Houston and FC Dallas um, haven't been playing horribly, but even with a loss, we're still climbing up the rankings, but let's not even, you know, take it for granted. We have quite a bit of work to do. Honestly, flattering from the people at MLS. Not sure how an L contributes to a rise in the ranking. I um, think they might have got that backwards, but um, it's Jay, like golf. I guess low score wins, you know, lowest score in this case wins. <laughs> but anyway, Jay, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick rundown of how the game unfolded on Sunday night as it tinkered into about 1030 p.m. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job of starting out positive, but let's go ahead and just kind of run through uh, what wasn't such a stellar performance. I know we weren't uh, thrilled by any means, but this game was pretty tough to watch. I mean, Inter started out much slower than the previous games for sure. Now, you know, you can say the players standing up to the social injustices could have perhaps killed some of the momentum of playing really well against Orlando. Fair to say, but... Not that many days removed, and we come out with this showing and start out very slow. I think we barely touched the ball in the first 20 minutes. I It looked like the team honestly never got off the plane. 
Yeah, well, and that's a whole other issue that they were discussing was like, is that the best plan to fly that day and then just get off the plane and go play? Well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, pre-COVID life, right? Typically, a team would get in the day before, you know, even the day before that, right? So they can kind of acclimate themselves. They don't have to worry about being jet lagged. You know, everybody has been on a flight, right? And when you land on a flight, you know, I know the first thing I want to do is go take a shower, right? I want to go refresh, you know, maybe take a little bit of a nap, you know, things like that, right? But Think about their day where they're getting on an airplane in the morning, right? They land in a new state that is probably a couple hours away. Now, once they land, they zip over to, I'm assuming, the stadium where they have to change, get ready, go to the game, and oh yeah, play a professional soccer match. And then guess what? After losing the match, get to hop back on a plane and travel back down to South Florida, Jay. That is a that is a busy day, man. I, I hope they're serving alcoholic beverages on the flight back at least. To, so they I think they might thing. need a little bit something stronger. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is tough, honestly, because no, no pitch is the same. Uh, I mean, I know they're professional athletes, so that's not really a great excuse. But, I mean, you got turf, you got – you know, artificial turf, and then you have, you know, of course, real, you know, grass that they're playing on, and each one's going to have its different lanes and stuff. So I know that's, again, not an excuse, but I don't feel like they had enough time to get out there and warm up and get familiar with the field. And um, although that wasn't the only issue that, uh, you know, they experienced, but I mean, it was literally the possession must have been, and this is me being pretty, trying to be as realistic as I can, probably 20% Inter Miami. 80% Nashville. I mean, it was, they had it all the time in the first 20 minutes. I believe the game ended 53% possession for Inter Miami, but I can guarantee you the last 18 to 20 ish minutes mm. of the match definitely heavily. leveled that out. Yeah, heavily inflicted. It was like they were doing what we were doing against Orlando, where they're just trying to weather the storm. You know? Exactly. Of course, we did have a arsenal of, of subs come out, which brought live into it. But, um, you know, shortly after that, uh, Mule, uh, you know, he, he had a header that resulted in a goal, but uh, it was called back because he pushed Andre Reyes in the backs, which really got him into position and pushed uh, Reyes out of defending position. So they called that one back, kind of got lucky. Um, I mean, I can honestly see that call going either way. And then it started to get concerning with our back line because Fagal picked up a yellow shortly after that. Uh, Reyes picked up a yellow. LGP picked up a yellow. I think Ben Sweat was the only one on the back line that didn't have a yellow, which is concerning to happen early in the game like that. It is concerning. And funny enough, um, Jay and I, we, we didn't watch this game together. It was the first game in a while. But we were texting. And we were like, dude, we are like, oh. Like, if that call was called against us, we'd be pretty pissed off. But vamos Miami, the, baby. You're talking about the push in the yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. Which is actually curious because I think after that point, I think we woke up a little bit, which was kind of an interesting sign because I felt that after that goal got called back, I felt that our team woke up for the first half and then we went back to sleep. Uh, I mean, well done. I know you haven't even read the notes I have here, but uh, next one is attacking started to pick up in the second half of the first half. So right around that halfway mark, um, you know, it's been tough. The refs have been tough on this team. I know we're going to get into this, and you're going to take slightly different stance, but, um, you know, in the 37th minute, Pellegrini takes a shot. It hits Walker Zimmerman's arm. I mean, clear as day on the third angle they showed. And no handball. This is in the box, so it would be an automatic penalty. No handball is called. 
tons of players runs up trying to protest and they i think review it briefly and just don't call so that was quite shocking but this would not be the first um of the refs um general i don't know miscalling of the game but then we got into the second half uh not too far into the second half godoy scored you know a nice little inside foot shot to the top right corner can't even knock the shot well done placement shot not much robles could do of course, the hardcore fans are going to say, you know, that's BS because Carranza was fouled leading up to that play. But it was a very small nick, so I can see how it wasn't called. Um, that was not even uh, the, the worst of it. The penalty that they gave to Nashville on the foul in Mukhtar, uh, clearly a flop. And I think that upon review, there's a chance that he could also get fined some bit of fee for embellishment. He goes down absolutely without contact milking a penalty but you know what they say bud the ball doesn't lie he hits the top post it ricochets off um and then we saw you know some some changes made right and and i will really commend diego alonso on this we saw a five-man change occur right uh this was great we had uh Nilas, we had lee win we had breck shea uh, Robbie Robinson and, um, who is the fifth Aguadello. one and, and Wong Aguadello. So we're bringing in two fours going heavy on the attack. Love it. I want to see that more, but I also want to see it earlier. Diego, there is something going on with this team and you need to take command, make sweeping changes and change it. Right. Here's what everyone that's listening to this. I watched again. We'll be pissed off about. There is no penalty given in the 81st minute when Robinson was tackled to the ground not soccer not football not foosball not fuchi ball tackled we're talking american football college nfl tackled wrapped up and tackled in the box that was a no call which blew my mind how the ref could just be like call such a fake foul for a penalty and then not give that one back but whatever i digress it is was made very clear in this game towards the end that Diego Alonso has not figured out this team chemistry yet. The five subs brought on an entirely different style of play. And honestly, we're about to get into the takeaways. My biggest takeaway right now is I think Breck Shea and Lee Wynn both earned a start after this game. They brought life. They brought vitality. They brought energy stuff we were missing. And then, of course, right before the game in, LGP does have a beautiful header. Uh, off a Lewis Morgan corner, but right at the keeper. So the struggles continue. There's a lot to digest and to dive into. And Jay brought up a ton of good points. We're going to break down pretty much every one of them because, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to talk about right now. We we are in some turmoil and... It's a quick it's a quick halt from what we thought that we were about to anticipate but you know we had talked about it. it it didn't seem like the team had gotten off the plane to play the first 20 minutes of the game and really it didn't get prettier i mean after the goal was rescinded play picked up a little bit better but in all honesty jay if this was against any other team we have played this year, we would have been down 0-1 or 0-2 with the first half, hands down. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. 100%. Um, 
it was it's so tough to see us come out first half banging against Orlando, and then that second half start to kind of taper it back. You know, it, well, what's Play frustrating? Safer. What's, we came out playing safer. We didn't come out banging again. What's frustrating is because we saw a week ago the potential of the team, and then we come out here and we lay an absolute dud. We thought we had we had made the pivot we needed to. We thought we we were you know pulling a one eighty, going to be trending in the right direction. And then this happens, man, and it's tough because Nashville, prior to this game, was the second worst team, the only team above us. They had three goals. We had six the, the entire season, we're talking. And just to come in and just come out so poorly, it, it was it was very um, very concerning, honestly. And one of the, the, the overall stats of this game that stuck with me, and we can just – I'll just run through these real quick. 47% possession of Nashville – 53% to inner Miami. But again, that last 20 minutes is what got it back in Miami's favor because we were just pressing, pressing, uh, and just pushing. It, it was it was it was great. It was so good to see. I wish we played more of that. Fouls. Uh 21 fouls on Nashville, 17 on Inter Miami. Three yellow cards on Nashville, three on Inter Miami. Two offsides on Inter, zero on Nashville, three corner kicks to Nashville, six corner kicks in Miami, five saves for Nashville, one save for Miami. And that last stat is important. Get this, total shots in the game, Nashville, five shots, two on goal. Inter-Miami, 19 shots, five on goal. And we could not find a way to finish. There were some creative plays. Lewis Morgan had that try, the overhead kick try, several headers right at the keeper. It's just, it was, it felt like it would come any minute. Like we would at least get a draw, you know? And then nothing came. We were, we were one pass away, and the announcers of the game touched on it throughout the entire match, right? We were we were knocking on the door, but nobody answered. Mm -hmm. And that was our problem through this entire match yesterday. And, you know, Jay, I know we're about to have a conversation about kind of the officiating because, you know, I'm, I know a lot of fans are pissed off about it. But, you know, one thing that, you know, I think we've all at some capacity been an athlete at some level, right? Whether that's, you know, kind of middle school, whether that's high school, some of us played in the collegiate level. But one thing that I'm starting to see from our team is, is that we get so hyper-focused on the referees and the calls that are being called or not being called that I think that our team being as young as it is, is actually starting to play with their head a little bit. And when I saw the game last night, I, I saw us complain about every single call that went on. I, it didn't matter what it was, no matter the relevance or not. And for me, as someone observing it, and someone who's been an athlete for years, I'm concerned with that because why are we focusing on something that we can't control when not focused on the game at hand of things that we can control? Uh, it's tough, buddy, because like the penalty that was called on Mukhtar was absolute trash. He just completely took a dive. That Zimmerman clearly it hit his hand. Robbie was clearly tackled. Those ones are BS. Those ones are tough for the fan base to watch because it's very obvious. Now, to your point as a whole, we can say those bad calls maybe equate for 20 to 30%, and we're still looking at 70 80% of inner Miami complaining and not just getting up. Listen. shutting up and getting back up to play. And that's a that's a kind of gripe across soccer for a lot of people because they think a lot of people are diving. They don't think it's as physical or as 
much of a contact sport and you see, you know, like Neymar, for instance, get hit and then he what rolled five or six times, like boys, man up, sack up, stop complaining. There are, there is validity there because there were some missed calls, but I, you know, listen, there was there missed calls at, Absolutely. Everyone saw Robbie get tackled in the box. Everyone saw the handball that wasn't even reviewed, and we're going to get into that. I guess where I'm trying to go with this is is that if I'm a referee and I'm hearing you yap in my ear and tell me that you know I'm a POS the entire game and I'm screwing up left and right, who do you think I'm going to give the call to? I mean, that is a very valid point. And furthermore, I'm going to jump back on the mic because another thing is, man, we are one in five right now. And how many times have we jumped on the microphone? We're one in six. (laughs) We're one in six right now. How many times have we jumped on the mic after a loss and talked about the refs? And I'm tired of it. There's been good teams win games. They don't talk about the referee when they lose games. They go out and win. I mean, it's fair. I mean, if I had, you know, a dollar for every time I saw LGP or Mateus Pellegrini with their arms out to the side, questioning what's going on with the ref, I would probably have a total of about, I don't know, $11 last night. (laughs) It Um, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. And that was something that me as just a fan of the team was, was kind of seen around the field. And listen, do I think that the upsetness is justified? Absolutely. I'm going to sit here and tell you all day that's justified, but I am going to tell you that our team can't get sucked into that mentality and just have that control their mindset over the pitch. I mean, you know, we're going to get into, you know, even what a VAR is. We had a few Instagram messages coming to us and like, what the hell is a VAR? Well, we're going to talk about it. But the reality is, is that this loss really hurt everyone. This was the worst loss, in my opinion, of the year. I thought we were running on a high And this came to a screeching halt, which hurts us in many ways. Yeah, this one hurt kind of up there with, like, D.C. United, just complete, like, 180 meltdown of the team. But, um, you know, it's just – it's it's tough because, like, just get up there and play. Just keep moving forward. And, like, we have a captain who is a leader. We have a stud DP who is a playmaker. And I don't think we have a leader – in the attack or in the midfield or even in the defense, that's going to step up and say, stop complaining, get off your ass. Let's go do this. Let's win. I think Pizarro can fill in that role, but we need somebody who's vocal who's going to get these guys in gear and just say, guys, get it together. Stop complaining. Let's be a little bit more creative. Let's get the extra pass in there and let's actually, you know, someone can finish on the ball. We, I, I think the clear showing is that Carranza has that ability, but when you waste a whole half of barely attacking and then really the highlights of your game are the last 20 minutes once you throw on all these new subs and it's desperation mode, when you could have been playing in a more attacking style the entire game, it's tough to watch, man. It is tough to watch. Um, the substitution piece we will get into, but the biggest – kind of topic of last night that was actually you know quite great to hear the communication coming from all the fans out there that's all you guys but um was really about the process of the var and the var love it it literally is a love-hate situation yes and for those of you listening who don't know what var stands for it stands for video assistant referee so really what the process is is that is that var right you tell me robots are going to take my job 
they might have already taken your job. Think about it. <laughs> but anyway, the VAR is an off-site referee that speaks to pretty much the on-site referee, right? The person who is refereeing the game. So they call in, they say, hey, you know, is this a play that we should go ahead and look at? And if the VAR, that is the video assistant referee, says, hey, yeah, that is a play that you should go and review, the referee will run over to the sideline, as we saw, and review the play and make a judgment call for themselves. Now... Where I have a personal problem with the referee is, is that if we've already implemented the VAR, right? If we've already reviewed a play in the 18th minute to rescind a goal, why don't we continue that same thought process through the entirety of the game? Because if he did take a look at that shot by Lewis Morgan, I'm sure he would have seen that that was a handball. Oh, about Pellegrini, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Pellegrini, I'm sorry, yes. So... I guess, yeah. So if you see the, the referee kind of drawing a rectangle, that means he's going to look at the VAR. Then he'll come back, he'll draw the same rectangle, then he'll point to the penalty spot or wave it off, whatever. Um, initially, I mean, sounds great in theory, right? Like, hey, for controversial moments, we can just review the video and then we'll make the right call. Here's the issue is they rarely are making the right calls in these situations. It's probably 70% the wrong call, 30% the right call. Most sports analysts, most sports commentators hate VAR mm -hmm. because they get it so wrong mm -hmm. so often on something that should be so simple. Now, here's why we don't want to get into this kind of a – down, I don't know, downward spiral or snowball effect going down a hill, if you will, if you will, because you know you review one sketchy play, um, and then the players are going to antagonize you more and more to review another play. And every play that you give those players to review, they're going to want the next one and the next one and the next one. So it it is kind of this dangerous territory, which should only be reserved for dire circumstances. That is an absolute fact. Now, I guess. My rebuttal is, is that if you're going to allow that in the game, right, if you're going to allow a VAR option and someone's already done that previously in the game, I think it's tough to already come back from that expectation that you've already set. It is tough, you know, especially, for instance, on the on the shop of Pellegrini, that was a handball where you saw. Uh, I think Pellegrini, I think Fagal and a couple of their players run up like very emphatically, like from the rip in, you know. A lot of times just people complaining, but when you see players come with that much enthusiasm right away, run to the ref, like you should probably look at that, you know, cause it's not just complaining. Like you didn't call this, like, Holy crap, dude, like this happened. You need to review that. And to just outright say, no, we're not going to do that. When the other very soft penalty on Mukhtar happened, when the other no call of getting talking in the box, that's the problem, man. VAR is so inconsistent, you know? So you do it once. Do you need to do it for all the other, like, I don't know. Some people think it's it's one of the worst things to come of professional football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Literally, of the past you know three years, however long it's 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 been a thing now. So it's just tough, man. And I feel like Inter Miami got the short end of the stick. I hate being that guy that wants to complain about the referees, but you know they replayed these things on TV for all of us to see, and we're seeing the same angles of the cameras that the referees are seeing. And when the first two angles don't show the clear handball, but the third clearly shows a shot of a clear handball, I don't even think he got to that third, that third replay. I think he just saw the first two and said, nope, it's a penalty. Absolutely agree with you. I do not think that he spent as much time as he should have reviewing that. And I guess 
you know, the last point that I'll make about the referees are not that was the call incorrect, because I would agree with that. It's my concern that the players get so wrapped up in what's going on and something out of their control, right? Like he's a third party component to this whole game, right? You can't control that man's mindset. You can't control what he's calling. But what I fear of is when we see these things happen, even when they're plays, that shouldn't even be called in the first place. You know, we psych ourselves out. So I would like for us to get a little bit mentally stronger in some of these games because as we've seen that's probably where we lack the most is that consistent mental strength i mean whether that's talking about the refs or you know wh whether that's you know a relapse against nycfc for 10 seconds and they drop a ball over our head it's these it's these moments throughout the 90 minutes that really affect us through the entirety of the game no i agree we need to have the mentality that like it doesn't matter we're going to score again in, in three to five minutes, you know, get up, get it back together and move forward. I mean, you know, look again, I hate being that guy. No one wants to complain about the refs and we can't be the team that's always saying, Oh, the refs screwed us. Even, you know, if they do make the mistake and it doesn't go our way, that's not the reason we lost the game. It's not. The reason we lost the game, Jay, is because it was our third scoreless game this season. That's the why, that's the reason why we lost this game. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it sucks. We keep losing games on one goal, right? And, of course, in the last 20 minutes, there were a plethora of chances. Um, new life brought into the club. But, you know, it's, it's God, it's so tough. Because even Breck Shea, who I think, again, earns a starting spot, maybe swap him out for Ben Sweat because he can play left back. He can play, you know, left wing. It, it Like, he's versatile. Put him in there. He had more flair. Don't forget he hit that dirty little – I don't know, really dirty kind of slow roulette that was effective in the in the in the game against Orlando. But at the same time, there were three crosses, I believe, maybe three out of five that were way too hard mm -hmm. and missed everyone in the box and went off. So it, look, I don't think we have I don't think Diego has the starting eleven picked out. I think he needs to start changing stuff. I think as much as we love Sweat, as much as we love Will Trap, as much as we love Yo-Yo, just let's just try someone else, see how it works. Maybe switch up the formation. We seem to be tinkering with the formation almost every single game. I know it kind of stays true to he wants to stay in a 4-2-3-1, but they actually started with a 4-3-3 this game. Um, you know, with like Trap and Yo-Yo, not so much in a center defensive, you know, midfield or kind of mind state, but more of just a general midfield. So let's kind of rotate this. Let's see. I would honestly be comfortable with just going back to three at the back with like LGP, Reyes, and Fagal, and then bump up Breck Shea on the left side of the mid, Lee Wynn in one of the two central mid spots, and then, you know, have I don't know, whoever else, you know, even keep Uyoyo or someone, or just, just change it up, mix it up, because something is just not clicking with the team. Yeah, and to your point of saying I – don't think Diego Lonzo has finalized the starting 11. I think the problem is, is that he has because. Okay. Very good point. Actually over the last few games, we haven't seen that adjustment, even though, you know, I'm sure like you just mentioned yourself and I'm sure a lot of viewers out there were, were, were wondering where was that spark, you know, minute 60, right? Like would where another, was that spark minute 30? Well, yeah, but why weren't subs, injected into the lineup when clearly we needed a little bit of help. But, 
you know, this this game was truly as Jay talked about the stats. I think we had 18 shots. We, we 19 were 19 shots. 19 shots. We were off by by really one pass. Again, we were knocking on the door. Nobody was answering. 27th minute corner from Lewis Morgan to Reyes missed. 23rd minute Pizarro crossing to Pellegrini. No thank you. 38th minute Lewis Morgan shot being illegally touched. I mean, it, it it's. It was just so close, but it was just so damn far away. It was. And you know what? I think, I think you, you, you honestly, you made a great point there, dude, is, is I said that I don't think he's figured out the chemistry. And you said the problem is he has, or rather, if I can correct you, he thinks he has. And we keep starting the same basic core group of guys. This double pivot with a yo-yo and trap just isn't working. We're going to have to figure out something new. Being a Chelsea fan, watching Frank Lampard come out, with a big old pair of cojones and at halftime early, not in the dying minutes of the game early, make sweeping changes to, to switch out the team. I got so excited because they showed Breck Shea first. They showed Neilis behind him said, Oh, his company. I was like, okay, well at least we're doing two. And I was like, Holy crap. We're going to do five subs. This five is squad. great. This is a great, just a five swap. Do it. It takes, it, it takes some balls, man. I want to see it earlier. Cause clearly in that game, we were struggling. Do you? Okay. That's a fantastic. Do you think that it takes, as you would refer, balls? Or was it potentially something that he realized that he may have had a mistake earlier in the game, not subbing someone on and tried to make up for it? I don't know because I, I really am. I'm struggling to think of a substitution Diego's made prior to the 70th minute. Good point. They always Great come point. in at the end. But Why again, I don't know. Why is Lee Wynn not got to start? Why is now Breck Shea is showing that if you just focus on, on, on crossing into the box and practice for a week, he might be a very, I can't believe I'm saying this, a great weapon for us because I, I was questionable on Breck coming. But I'll tell you what, when he was going up that left side, I can't think of one time he wasn't able to get a cross off. He has the, not necessarily the speed, but he's got the moves and he's just like a, just a tall guy. He was able to create enough space to get crosses with his right, with his left. He can play with both feet. He's versatile. And again, I'm sorry, Ben, we love you, but maybe go back to three at the back and, and let's just mix something up. You know, Diego said he needs six games to figure out this team. Well, now here we are seven games played. What are the changes we're going to make? Good news is, is that we do have reinforcements on the way. Blaze my Tweety. And <laughs> we hope maybe sign this year our last TP slot because we're kind of coming to the end of the season here, Jay. Uh, I mean, I think there's still going to be, what, 12 more games after this uh, this initial six. But, yeah, the Calvary is coming. And, uh, dear Lord, it looks like we really need them. Yeah, it does. And I think Blaze is going to help us out, especially in the midfield. I'm sure everybody's as excited as we are to see him out there. And, you know, that's that's pretty much our glaring weakness right now. There's a few times that I think we saw through the entirety or probably the central 70 minutes of the match until, you know, people like Andreas Reyes and, you, you know, uh, LGP started to realize that, hey, maybe we should just skip this middle layer here and just go straight to the attack. Yeah, just send the balls up. Man. And honestly, we saw better traction doing that route than we were trying to work its way through the middle. And, you know, honestly, there was no creativity or no threat from the middle. You know, we don't have uh, Sebastian Blanco or, you know, Brendan Arison. You know, we don't have that type of force, you know, yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that, that's a very good point. I think we were kind of um, – 
the team and especially the fan base were kind of lulled to sleep in regards to the midfield still being one of our issues. We see a game against Orlando where we're moving the ball beautifully, having great combo play, getting a W and we're like, okay, now we turn the corner. Our midfield's figuring out and we got Karan's up top. Now we have our new number nine. And guess what? Here we are now after this game saying, okay, maybe we still need like a legit big name number nine or at least another big name you know, in the midfield, because we're not where we need to be in the midfield. And I'll tell you what, man, you ask anyone who really thoroughly knows this sport, and if your midfield is your weak point, you're not going to win games. That needs to be the strongest point. A strong midfield allows the attackers to score. A strong midfield relieves pressure from the defense. And if we don't have it, we're going to see these struggles continue. And I just don't think there's enough creativity outside Pizarro, outside Lewis Morgan, who played a great game, and we love Lewis so much. Um, Pellegrini, kind of, he's like the stock market right now. It's real volatile, man. Some days he's good, some days he's not. But I'll tell you what, Trapp and Yo-Yo don't have that flair, don't have the creativity. And Blaze will bring that. I think Breck given the right chance. Maybe if we're going again to a, a four, two, three, one, and we've got blaze on the right and Breck as our left, that might be a solid setup. Cause again, Breck can play defense or midfield or attack really. And if you got two creative players back there feeding the, you know, the bigger name players, the Lewis Morgans, the Rodolfo Pizarro's and hopefully when Mateus gets up to his final form, then I think there's some beautiful there. Now, buy Pellegrini's stock, you know, like the stock market, right? Oh, it's a sell this week. I, it I was, was a say, hot buy last week. Heavy volume on that one, bud. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me like the Southwest Airlines stock right now. <laughs> it's just, dang, I, don't, I have not <laughs> Listen, it's it's not, you know, a secret right now that we're struggling in the midfield, but you know, who knows? Maybe our last DP slot is some type of, you know, attacking midfielder. We don't know. Maybe we're satisfied with Robbie, which, again, great to see Robbie in uniform. And, again, he should have got that penalty in the box. But yeah. maybe we're comfortable with Carranza and, you know, Robbie. And maybe we just continue to add to this midfield. Maybe we do. The problem is we take, a, you know, a cam, an attacking midfielder. Well, that's gonna who's that gonna hurt? That's gonna hurt Lewis Morgan, that's gonna hurt Pizarro, that's gonna hurt Pellegrini. Two of those are which DP. So I think we might need to do a, a different formation. I think we need to do two up top. We need to do two two forwards. Um and maybe a more robust midfield, maybe four in the midfield, and then that's where we can add him in and you know, maybe have Blaze or or Breck behind him. But you know, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I could see more midfield really benefiting the team, but you know, can we be – I get one game was great for Carranza. Are we confident that between him and, and Robbie, young players, that those are the guys that are going to be strong enough and stout enough to, to head the attack for us? Or is Carranza another one of our players that potentially may be playing out of position and maybe he plays on the wing? I mean, I think he's a target man. I don't think he plays on the wing. I think Robbie could play on the wing. I think Kisa Vetter could play on the wing. Hell, even Agudelo could. Um I think Carranza's a target, man. He's a big guy. He'll scrap with you. He'll throw his frame out there. I, I think he's right where it needs to be. The question is, 
is he the 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 starter or is he the is he the 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 one or is he the one a i don't think he's a two i think he's i think he's gonna be close there but i think we still need a stud up there yeah and you're you're right we do need a stud and you know we've been saying for about i think we're up to maybe like 11 months now that we need <laughs> a, a starting uh, number nine. But, um, you know, in the, in the podcast, you know, a few weeks ago we had talked about, I think it was right when blaze was signed to our team is, is that, you know, we don't even feel that, you know, the combination of Uyoya and will trap should never be on the pitch. Right. But it's situational. And them starting together in the starting 11 just doesn't work. It, it, it just it really doesn't, doesn't work. So it's whether tough. that's changing the formations, you know, whether that's just waiting and saying, hey, throwing our hands in the air and saying, hey, we're an expansion team. And, you know, it's going to roll with the punches until we get our superstar blaze on the team and see what happens. Or do you change something up? So, you know, should Pellegrini potentially move to the bench for a game just to see the game potentially from a different view and have that experience as a professional being a young DP player? Because, you know, he is still very, very, very young and our team is pretty young. So these these guys are, are, are learning. Right. And I don't want to lose sight of we are an expansion team. And, yeah, it really does suck that we just lost to an expansion team in 2020 as well because Nashville was an expansion team, but you know, there, there are building pieces, but we got to figure our stuff out quick, man. Yeah. It's been tough, man. And you know, honestly, maybe even cause the heat map of the Orlando game for Pellegrini was insane. He was all over the pitch. You see his potential. Maybe take Pellegrini into a CDM role with blaze and then have our third and final DP on that left side of the midfield, which effectively gives us four DPs all in the midfield because we got our young Mateus Pellegrini, young designated player, Rodolfo Pizarro. Um, Blaise Matuidi is in all effects a DP. He was just so nice to us, and thank you again. We'll never stop thanking you, Blaze, for taking that TAM deal. And if we get a, a, a – a third or technical third DP, but really four DPs in the midfield. It's going to open up the field, but at the same time is three enough and you go for the attack. So who knows? We're going to see. And you know what? We have an offer out for uh, a number nine and we'll see kind of how it goes. But uh, defensively, I mean, what were the kind of things you were seeing? You know, what were your thoughts on defense as a whole? Defensively, you had touched it on earlier in the podcast, you know, we were texting at halftime when we were dealing with a yellow card from Reyes, I think it was, and LGP. And to get that third yellow card on the back back line was, was no bueno. Other than that, playing a little bit sketchy throughout the game, I mean, doing some hard fouls like our Argentinians do, I think it was actually Nico Fagal who picked up that third one, um, which, again, I do like to see. But, again, let's play the ball. The only takeaway that I would like to see from the formation, actually, this is a formational point, but is to see Dylan Nealis in the game. I've been thoroughly impressed with his play since he stepped on and wore the inner Miami jersey, and I'd like to see him out on the pitch a little bit more. Yeah, and that's that, he's also someone I think that could that could step up into the CDM role, you know, because I think he's got creativity. We know he can score with his feet as well from what he did in college. So. It'd be interesting to see. He's fast too, man. You see him. He's fast. He's quick. Look, man, I want to see us keep split testing three at the back, four at the back. Because if you get three at the back, I think that we have enough. You know, we honestly don't even know where Roman's been. Uh, Torres has not been even on the bench. I don't know if he's battling some injury or what's going on. But 
I'm kind of confident with going three at the back in a more supporting midfield role. Uh, because again, we need all the creativity. We need all the outlets and all the options we can get in midfield right now. Cause that is the major issue. And you've talked about it a few times and I'm, I'm really curious to pick your brain on what you think we should do with these substitutes, because we had a few players go on the pitch, recognizably be so, so Breck Shea and Lee Wynn. Do you feel that they should get worked in the starting rotation or do you feel like they should get subbed in earlier? I think you got to start Breck. You got to start Lee Wynn. And, and I think you're going to not, not to make a pun on his name, but I think you, you play when you're going to win. Uh, the free kick was great. You know, outside of that, we are going to have Lewis Morgan taking free kicks, but um, hell, he beamed one in in one of the early games of his first uh, season with LAFC. Um, I think he plays very well with Pizarro. The whole fan base agrees with that. I think Breck Shea is more creative, uh, you know, than necessarily Ben Sweat would. Although Ben Sweat had that beautiful ball in in the you know Orlando game for Carranza's uh, second goal. But um, I'll tell you what. What I want to see, I want to see more subs, and I want to see him earlier. I don't want to see Nashville make three subs before we make one. You know, making a sub in the 70, what, 73rd, 75th minute, that's not enough. You need to give the, the team more more time because when those new subs come on, the chemistry changes. And there's a small amount, you know, maybe five, ten minutes. But there is a little bit of time that will take to kind of click in and mesh with the rest of the team. So I'd like to see those subs made closer to, you know, minute 60 um, if you're not making them at halftime. If you identify an issue – for example, at halftime, this double pivot isn't working. Take out Trap, take out a yo-yo. At least one of them, if not two of them, make the change, be assertive, and see what happens. Because once those subs came on, it was a completely different game. And I think that we do have the players on the team we need to compete in this league. We're waiting on some, you know, we're waiting on the strawberry icing on top or whatever. But I think you got to get this figured out. I think Nealis has a lot of talent, third overall in the Super Draft. Robbie needs to get out there more. I know he's just back to the team, but let's get that rotation going. But, hey, I'll tell you what, man. I was a heavy questioner of Breck Shea, and I think he has to start, and I think Lee has to start. I think everyone's been wanting Lee to start. So figure it out. I'd rather have Lee and Breck as the CDMs, Breck on the left, Lee on the right. What do we have to lose, man? See how it goes. Give it one game. That That's a great point right there, Jay, is give it a game. Just see what's up. Now, my take, it, it, it's kind of a little bit different, right, in the sense that you have to change up your strategy. And if we start Lee Wynn or, or and Breck Shea, we're going to have to sub before the 75th minute, okay? These players, I don't know, can survive for the entire game, nor should they be on the pitch for the entire game. So the question is, do you bring them off the start or do you bring them on off the second half? Uh, at this point, I rip them off the start. Then you can always sub out Trapper yeah, yeah, towards the second half and just say, hey, Will, Victor, I need energy. Go, run. Go out there hardcore. You got 15 minutes. Give me 15 minutes of 100% full-on effort, and let's see where we go. And I think when you make that decision to bring, you know, Will and, you know, Uyoya back or however order that may be, the idea is that from moving Breck and Lee into the game is, is that you have the lead, right? You know, U Uyoya and Will are known for their defensive capabilities. They're not 
known for creating an offensive threat through the midfield up the middle to the attack, right? And and that's a big difference. So yeah. no, start attacking. Always start with the attack, and then and then go on the defense. And the one thing that I recognize through this season is the chemistry that Lee Wynn and Pizarro have together. Yeah, no, that's why the fans want to see him. Look, I think I can speak for really the majority of the fan base. We're okay with taking an L if Lee Wynn gets a start. Because that's what we see out there. Well, let and me if, speak if, for the other fan base. We're not cool with taking an L. <laughs> well, <laughs> Even I'm just saying, we all want to see Lee because we think Lee and Pizarro play great off each other. And so I'm cool with taking an L as long as Lee gets 75 minutes of play because I want to see – because I don't think we take an L if Lee Wynn gets 75 minutes of point. play. Do we I don't take think we take an L if Breck Shea gets 75 minutes of play. Now, does Breck need to get to the training and focus on crossing – towards that that actual penalty spot and not you know over everyone's head yes but is the potential there i see a brighter future in lee win and breck shea than i do with the double pivot of trapping a yo-yo right now yeah you know let's hope that things get shuffled around this podcast is dropping on tuesday morning we have a game tomorrow against atlanta united and we're about to get into a little bit of review very quickly because guess what we already did the review last week so you should it's be gonna, aware it's gonna be the same <laughs> what's review? going on but but it, it'll be curious to see how diego mixes up the starting lineup and see what type of changes he comes i know everybody's going to be really anxiously waiting to see what information is dropped but you know, until then, you know, we'll go ahead and see. But I would love to see Dylan injected to potentially the starting lineup, if not have a heck of a lot more minutes. Love to see Robbie back on the pitch because he was doing great when he had to leave. And I honestly thought, you know, Juan Agudelo came in at probably the prime time of when I would yeah. want him to come in, probably around that 70th minute to I was offer that spark to plug. See him come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and to your point earlier, you know, I don't know if I'm sold on Lee or Breck starting, but I would love to see a change. And out of those two players, I want to see Lee win out on the pitch more because our offensive tempo turns up. And I've seen that throughout the entire season, whereas Breck, mm -hmm. I just saw it for one game. Well, uh, I mean, you're, you're missing that, that little dirty little roulette he had against Orlando. I mean, he came on and it was just an extra spark. I want to see both start. I want to see both Breck and Lee win start. Let's mix it up. Let's see what happens. Go on the offensive. You know, we're coming up against an Atlanta team who, you know, has been struggling this season for sure. I mean, their three wins, four losses. They just got rocked by Orlando, which we did take down. But, of course, uh, DK is a full-grown man out there, even though he's probably, what, 21 or 22, something like that. Um, they've been having struggles. Obviously, Joseph Martinez is no longer with the squad due to a serious ACL injury. Well, he's um, with the squad. He's injured. Yeah, sorry. Not, not that – yeah, so – He's with the squad, but he's probably not going to – well, I guess you wouldn't have to travel if it's in Orlando, Atlanta. It's a, it is a home game for Atlanta, though. Um, but they have been struggling significantly up on their attack, kind of similar to what uh, we have outside of that Orlando game. As we mentioned, just people to keep your eyes on, Ezekiel Barco, midfielder, P.T. Martinez, midfielder, uh, and Emerson Hendman will be available for this game. He will probably be playing. I don't know if he's going to get the start, but it will probably be subbed on. Um, again, no really Ford has, has scored for them. It's always come from the midfield. PT Martinez is probably the biggest stud on the team, but maybe this, you know, Heinemann guy comes in and uh, just makes a name for himself. Hyman or non Hyman. We need to get this W sir. This game is going down on Wednesday 
September 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to face off against Atlanta United. And boy, do we need a win. We really need a win. And um, I don't want to, you know, get too uh, ahead of myself, but I thought we were going to get it against Nashville. So, boys, we're going to need everyone to come out playing a little bit earlier. 7 o'clock game. Um, Godspeed, lads. Let's go ahead and get these dubs for the fans because we need them. Yes, we do. We we are we have one. We're in need of two and hopefully a bunch more. But, Jay, that brings us to your favorite topic, sir. And I know there's a hot rumor swirling around right now with player rumors. Hot rumor for you guys. Inter-Miami thought they had a shot at getting Leo Messi. And I'll tell you what, you are incorrect. He is going to be going to Man City. Deal looks structured for three years at Man City, reuniting with Pep Guardiola, reuniting with fellow Argentinian Kun Aguero. You might know him as Sergio Aguero. And then here's the part that really sucks is the last two years of the deal, they're trying to get him to go to NYCFC. But it's also reported that he wants to end his career at Inter-Miami with David Beckham. So, hey, still a chance in the long run. Uh, I told you guys to keep an eye on Luis Suarez. That one's still in development. We have... Um, I believe submitted an offer for him. There's a lot of competition on him. Obviously, the big, big, big one. I actually shared this into the Facebook group. Typical polarizing group over there. Love him or hate him. Gonzalo Higuain. We have been in advanced talks. There is now an offer on the table for Gonzalo to come to the MLS. And, you know, there were some fans like, oh, you know, he's not ready to retire. Like, yeah, he's 32 or 33 years old. He's ready to retire. Uh, he wants to be closer to Argentina. America's closer. And his brother already plays as a player slash coach. He's a player coach uh, in the league. So there's a chance we do get Gonzalo Higuain. Again, I know some fans will love that. Some fans will hate that. But, hey, we're just here to bring the news. Don't shoot the messenger. And that's basically really all I got for now. Uh Edison Cavani, everyone wants to know about that. So do we. It's a possible re-engagement. We'll see what happens. But we, are, I think, are getting closer. I would expect fully within a month to have this DP slot figured out. Stay tuned. We will give you the news as it comes. I'm hoping for at least in 2020. I'm hoping by 2021 in our second season when we're taking the league by storm first That's place. Right. I'm hoping we have that DP spot figured out. We're going to figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for coming on the ride with us. We've uh, we've been trying our hardest to, to smile for you guys. And, uh, you know, again, if you don't follow us on social media, it's at Intermimey Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter. What's our actual Twitter handle? You already know, Intermimey Podcast. We had to make it simple. Who would have figured? I am so surprised we somehow can get all of these handles and no one's stealing it. Don't get any ideas, fans. We will find you. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, go ahead website. and follow us on twitter or new on twitter go ahead and give us some slack but we'll be there we'll be there on instagram on facebook on twitter go ahead and shoot us an email like our buddy ken did and you know get ready for atlanta united this game's gonna be on fire we play on wednesday 7 p.m eastern standard time go ahead watch it on the app do what you gotta do get your stuff done early make some dinner and by the time you listen to this episode, you'll be a day away. And let's get after it. Let's get a dub. Let's get that dub, Jay. Get these squad wins, baby. As we say, as always on every episode, we do not switch it up. We are about as consistent as consistent can be. 
Vamos Miami. Someone's gotta be, baby. Vamos Miami.